Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 287th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're here with you guys once again today, going to take you through um, Carolina's defeat last night at the hands of the defending national champions, the UConn Huskies, Carolina fell 87-76 in the Jimmy V Classic, and we're going to talk about um, the game itself and then all the, the the reaction and stuff coming out of the game. Um, of course, we'll take a look at the box score. You'll hear from head coach Huber Davis and his thoughts on the defeat and so much more, but, you know, buddy, we'll just go ahead and, and, and dive right into this thing. Um, Carolina fell by 11 last night to a UConn team that, you know, I, I I I said as much as as anybody said going into the game, they're the best team in the country, um, and they have the look and the feel of a team that can 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 repeat as national champions. Something we haven't seen in the sport since the mid two thousands when the Florida Gators did so. R.J. Davis was simply sensational once again for Carolina, scoring twenty six points um, on eight on eight of seventeen shooting was four of eight from behind the three-point line, but Cam Spencer was great for UConn. He scored 23 points. Four of their five starters scored in double figures, but yet I still come away from this game, and it's 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 actually annoyed Tar Heel fans that I've talked to on Facebook, Twitter, on the radio. Um, I still come away from this game highly encouraged because this was a measuring stick game for this program in year three after an offseason where you basically rebuilt the program. And for 30 to 32 minutes, Carolina was there. They looked like they belonged. Uh, UConn did pull away. 
because they got to another level that Carolina couldn't get into, that, that Carolina couldn't get to, um, and not many other teams in the country can get to. And, you know, I'll be honest, going into it, picked Carolina to lose. Um, there was reservations that I thought Carolina could get blown out because we've seen Carolina in big spots, in big moments under Huber Davis come out flat. I mean, his first year, you got ran off the court by a Tennessee team on a neutral court. Mm-hmm. You got ran off the court by Kentucky in a neutral court. The first game uh, against Duke that year, you got blown out at home. So, like, we've seen Carolina in big moments not be ready to play. That wasn't the issue last night. I thought Carolina was prepared. I thought they battled. And I think it comes down to that old adage whenever you you, you hear people talk after losses. You love the effort, you hate the result. I love the effort I saw last night. We get that effort every night moving forward. We're going to have a lot of happy, fun recaps because I think the result will be different. And that's where I am coming off of Carolina's loss last night to UConn. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the same spot. And maybe, you know, maybe we're, we're homers. I don't really know. But, like, I, I did not watch last night and say to myself, my God. Well, let me, let me go ahead and I'm stop. I'm devastated. Let me go ahead and stop you right there. Yeah. Um, Here we go. I, I feel like. I'm the homer. I get it. We, yeah. we, we have the, we, you know, we're, we're honest. True. And, like, when Carolina plays bad. I have no problem using the platform that I have to blast. You them. know what? This is a fair point because usually we get criticized for then being too negative. So, so like if Carolina would have not competed, <laughs> yeah, had gotten blown out, and I know, they oh, we would have killed them. I know they were down seventeen, but they weren't getting blown out. Like I would have come on here and said. Maybe there's a problem. Yeah, we we would have blasted them. No, uh, I, I think you're right. I mean, I mean that 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 didn't happen. It was 44-39 right. at halftime, and it was 65 to 60 in the second half. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's no way that you can take away from this that you don't think Carolina is is one of the better teams in the country right now. Um, now, ultimately, what does Carolina end up becoming? I mean, I don't I don't know. Um, I don't think this is a game, though, that should reflect that poorly on them. I don't think it's a game that they should look back at and say, oh, my God, man, we got some real problems. This this could be the beginning of the end. There were games like that last year that you could look at and you said to yourself, oh, boy. I mean, you're talking about like, a game that, that Carolina got out-physicaled, right? Like UConn was the, the yeah there's yep no denying what, that was was the tougher team yes but what did what did what happened last night that didn't happen last year that hasn't happened in recent years man Carolina fought back yeah there's a response Car- last year Carolina they... pushed back I mean Armando Baycott got a technical foul and, and you know I know oh how you don't see technicals in college and now granted the technical oh, was, terrible call was was a weak call. But in that moment, like he got through two de- to defenders to get a offensive rebound, put back dunk on a missed free throw. Not an easy thing to do. Yep, it's one of the hardest put back dunks you can really achieve in basketball. And after Cam Spencer, who had a sensational game last night for UConn, had jawed, he jawed one too many times. That doesn't happen last year. Carolina doesn't clap back. They don't fight No, back. he doesn't even respond. Last year, he doesn't even respond. After, I should say after a certain point in the year. I think early in the year, there might have been a little bit of fight back. 
But once once they went through that four game losing streak, there was no way. I mean, he would have everybody on that team. It wasn't just Armando, but everybody would have just stood there and been like, ah, whatever. We're we're, we're getting talked to. Eh, we probably deserve it. This year, I mean, no, you saw the response, and that's the other. You saw this team fight back multiple times. I truly believe that down the stretch of the game, when they're down 11, they nearly create a turnover with the full-court press when it's 85-74, and they end up fouling uh, Klingon. I, I, I really think they thought to themselves, we still got a shot in this game, because there was like a minute 30 roughly to go. I think they thought, we, we could still make this happen. Because they had put themselves in a position where it was still possible. Where last year, yeah, maybe they may, maybe they fight back in a few times. At the end of that game, that would have finished up a 25-30 point loss. Because they just would have rolled over and let UConn run away with it after a certain point. They would have said, yeah, we've had enough fighting. Um, this team does not, man. They, they keep pushing. Um, I mean, again, you saw last night, dude, R.J. Davis, holy crap. This kid, man, like he had, he has already earned the tough little nut moniker. But I mean, dear God, dude, the shots this guy hits. I, I mean, in the second half, and he he missed some down the stretch that you would have loved to have. But he is far from the reason that Carolina wasn't able to win this game. I mean, he was really the reason Carolina was in position to have any chance. But this dude hits some freaking tough shots. Harrison Ingram again, continues to show you that he is probably Carolina's second-best player right now. It's probably R.J. Davis and then him, and then a pretty wide gap to third place on this team. Um, So, I mean, to me, like, there's a lot of positives to take away from it. And, oh, by the way, uh, the team that you saw on the court last night with their freshman phenom, Stephon Castle, back, Best team in college basketball, no doubt in my mind. So I'm not going to argue with it. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, look, I, I don't want to sit here and and beat my chest and tell people I know more than them because... it's Look, it sucks because it feels like this is a moral victory and we are not moral victory. We're, we're not a moral victory school. No. But that's not what you're saying. Look, there are still some things from this game that I'm not, I'm not going to say you're angry with, but that you you do feel like we're left on the table. That's that's how I feel. There were opportunities there for Carolina to win this game. They weren't tough enough to finish down the stretch and close it out. But does that mean that I think that this team's in trouble or that I don't think they're tough enough to hang around the entire year? No, I don't think they're on the level of UConn yet, which is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, this this if, if there's such a thing as a – Best case scenario loss, this is it. Because you you didn't lose from a lack of effort. You didn't lose from a lack of trying. You didn't lose from a lack of talent. You got you got beat by a, a better opponent, a better team. But in the process, you validated maybe being ranked ninth in the country. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, and we're going to dive into it, you learned as much as any game you've played so far this season. You've learned your limitations and your weaknesses and the areas you've got to improve as the season moves along to be a team that's being talked about in a positive manner until March. And that's why Carolina plays these games. They played these games knowing that there's a 
a, 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 a better chance than most of the other games they play in the non-conference part of their season that they that they can lose the game. But it is to prepare them for a now 20-game ACC conference gauntlet schedule, an ACC tournament, and then the NCAA tournament. And so, like, Carolina's in the midst of playing four straight uh, non-conference-ranked opponents. Um, you know, uh, and I think we said going into it, if Carolina goes three and one, two and two, you're you're happy, you're thrilled, because these are really good basketball teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you're one and one right now. You beat a Tennessee team that is a Final Four contender. Like their their three losses have been to three of the top fifteen teams in the country, according to Ken Palm. They're not they're out here losing to you know schlubs. They're out here losing to quality basketball teams. Um, and look, not saying that I'm I'm okay with losing. I'm not. I was. I was as excited, hyped for a non-conference game in December as I've been in quite some time. And I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I wanted the game really, really oh, bad. Oh, I'm with you. But on the flip side, I can look at it and say, man, my, 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 my team competed. My team played a brand of basketball that will, could translate to winning down the road and now the goal, now the challenge is identifying the shortcomings, hiding those deficiencies, playing more to your strengths. That way, the next time you're in this type of position, you come you come out on the winning side. Let's take a look at the box score, um, because you know you'll find some ugly. You'll also you'll also find some pretty. Um, UConn did win the yeah, shooting battle, kind of like me, fifty-two percent, forty to forty-four percent. Um, Carolina was just twenty-eight of sixty-three. Um, in the ball game, but that was after they shot the ball at 52% in the second half. They shot just 39% in the second half. You got to credit UConn the way they got after Carolina defensively, really changed the game. Um, but Carolina, from a percentage standpoint, shot better than UConn from behind the three point line. Carolina was seven of 20, 35%. UConn was 32%. They were 10 of 31. Um, both teams struggled from the foul line. Carolina, 13 of 22, their first real bad free throw shooting game. That was 59%. UConn, on the, on the flip side, they were 9 of 16, 56%. Um, seven turnovers for the Heels led to 14 UConn points. Eight UConn turnovers, just seven points for Carolina. So that was an area um, that Carolina didn't capitalize. Here to me was the kicker, was the rebounding margin. Uh, UConn plus 10 on the glass, 43 to 33 um, they including the defensive glass where UConn held a 32 to 23 advantage. Um, UConn had eight second chance points, just six for Carolina. UConn's bench had an 11 to four uh, edge. Both teams with 38 points in the paint, um, but another area where Carolina struggled, just six fast break points compared to 13 for the Con. Um, lastly, Carolina had 18 assists on their 28 made baskets. It's really doggone good. UConn, 25 assists on their 34 made baskets. A, as good as UConn is, as talented as they are, they are as unselfish a team that Carolina has played and will play the rest of the season. Let's now transition to the quote of the game, and here's what Hubert Davis said about the areas his team uh, can and needs to grow as the season moves forward. The thing that I always talk to the guys about is you got to check three boxes, and that's one. You got to be a good defensive team, two, rebound the basketball, and three, take care of it. You know, UConn shot 51% from the field. That's just not going to get it done. And so um, we can grow defensively. Um, the last couple games, we've used 
uh, um, full court pressure that uh, can be used even more throughout the game just to put us in better positions defensively. And so um, there's some things that uh, we can grow from, and those are some of the things that I'm really encouraged about. It's not easy, or it's, it's, it's pretty simple, folks. The first two are the right two. You got to be a good defensive team, and you got to be a good rebounding team. Um, and I've heard you preach that. There's yeah. there's no denying since Carolina got off the plane in the Bahamas, this defense that we saw the first three games that I thought was really, really good, that was suffocating, hasn't been there. Um, Carolina struggled in the first 20 minutes to defend Northern Iowa. We all know what happened against Villanova. Um, you know that one player almost beat you in the Arkansas game. Yep. And then coming back from that, I mean, you gave up 92 to Tennessee in a game that got up and down. The first 28 to 30 minutes of the Florida State game wasn't good defensively. And then last night you got exploited by the best offensive team you've seen so far this season. And then the rebounding. Um, this is the issue, the, the second issue with the starting five. It's Carolina's best – it's their five best players. Okay. Um, from an offensive standpoint. True. But, you know, I, I reference a conversation I had with Brendan Marks back in the preseason, the concerns about playing R.J. Davis, RJ Davis and, and, and Elliot Cadeau extended minutes meant that you had a small backcourt. How many times did UConn rise up and shoot over there than last night? Yeah. There were plenty of times yep. that happened, and it makes you smaller from a rebounding standpoint. Now, with that said, Armando Baycott held his own. He had 13 rebounds. Harrison Ingram's been your second-best rebounder on the season at the four spot while playing undersized. Can't argue, can't complain about what he's done, what he's given you. You need more from Cormac Ryan, from, from, from a rebounder. And yeah, also, I mean, you need more from Harrison Ingram than four rebounds. Like, he, he's, yeah, but he he's won the game be... last night averaging, almost, averaging over six. Like, yeah, no, I I think that's I think that's right. But, but I've seen people that have told me there's a guy that told me last night, and there were a couple of people that shared this opinion that they they should go with two bigs at times on the floor. Why in the world would you go with two bigs? Have you seen have you seen this team in the half court defensively? You really think that putting Baycott and Jalen Washington on the floor is the solution? Well, no, you know, you know my you, God, you know no. what the you know what the solution is. Look at the team that beat you last night. What what do their guards do? Oh, they re, they rebound their, the hell out of the ball. Their guards rebound, and well, they're also they're also a lot bigger. That's they, the advantage, as you said. They are to but, having bigger guards. But when you're guys, committing five guys to rebounding the ball, I think one thing that Carolina's got lost in the last two and a half years is number five is going to get the ball. And look, for the most part, number five is going to rebound it. He had 13 boards last night against a top 10 NBA draft big in, in Donovan Klingon. And we're going to we're gonna talk about Armando Baycott in just a little bit. But you know for the most part, Mondo's going to Mondo. You need, if you're going to play small, and this is something Roy Williams talked about a lot, because everybody wanted him to play small all the time. And he's like, well, there's got to be a commitment to go. Isn't it amazing how things change? It, you know, there's got to be a commitment to, to go rebound the ball. Yep. And so, and look, I think Carolina's got the personnel to do it. I think R.J. Davis can be a really good rebounding guard. Cormac Ryan at 6'5 should be a good rebounding wing. Elliot Cadeau's a freshman that's undersized. Whatever he gives you in that's, the That's not his game. Whatever man. he gives you in that area is a plus department. Yes. You know, it's just a plus. But you need, it needs to be a more 
concerted effort, a more team aspect, not just, oh, five's going to do it. Because, yeah, he's going to do it. But when you're playing the way that you're currently playing, and it's the best way for this team to play, you need all five guys bought in in that area because you've got to get and you've you've got to limit giving up offensive rebounds and then on the flip side you've got to put pressure on the defense to make them know even it's not just one guy you got to box out you got to box out all five well i'm going to tell you Cormac Ryan is one guy there's no doubt the other guy is Jalen Withers i mean your first year that you played for Louisville, because when he originally got on campus, he redshirted. First year that he played for Louisville, 7.7 rebounds. Now, he dipped in 2021-22 to uh, 4.6, and last year, he averaged 5.3. That that last number, probably what he is, That's that's not bad. Having that contribution would help you. He is averaging 3.1 rebounds per game so far this year. Yep. Like, that's a dude that's got to be better. You're coming off the bench. You're a guy that's looked at in that four role as somebody that's going to play significant minutes. Now, part of the reason why his numbers aren't that high, because they just ain't playing him, because they can't. He's a liability when he's on the floor. He can't do anything offensively. But if he was able to rebound at a high level and defend at a high level, he would be out there, and that's what they need – from him, and also another guy, they brought him in for rebounding. I get it. It was at the Ivy League level. Still, Paxson Wojcik averaged 7.7 rebounds per game. Where the hell is that? Where is that? You seeing that in his game? Because I ain't seen it. Now, I, and look, I'm. this is not me taking a direct shot at Wojcik or whatever. I thought he. I thought that was probably the best game we've seen him play last night. It's the hardest Active defensively. Played. Um, I just, you, to me, with him, things are probably moving very, very fast for him because he's not used to playing at this level night in, night out. Um, but, I mean, still, those are the guys that you got to see step up and Cormac Ryan because your guards, I mean, dude, yeah, Elliot Cadeau won rebound last night, but again, you said it. that You kind of know who that is. R.J. Davis had four. Like, that's, if R.J. has given you that, you should be pretty ecstatic about that. But, I mean, look, the good news is you're not going to play a lot of teams that are this physical and this big at the same time the rest of the year. Like UConn, I mean, UConn looks like they might be one of, if not the best rebounding team in the country by the end of the year. They are that freaking good. Well, and, you know, I was so, I was talking about it with guys here at the station. They are a vintage. It's It's different, but... They look a lot like prime Roy Williams teams looked offensively with the way they played inside out and the way they commit all five guys to the boards. Yep. Um and 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 and, and you know, I I can't I can't gush enough about what they do well offensively. Um because And look, I, I gotta be honest, I said this earlier. Is there a guy that played last night that you looked at when he was on the floor and said that guy can't do one like certain element he can't he can't defend or he can't knock down shots every player that they brought on the court was a plus on the offensive end and a plus on the defensive end it felt like they are they are that loaded and that's not a slight that's the thing carolina ran into a team that is legitimately deeper than they are 
which is you are going to be hard-pressed to find many teams like that the rest of the year because Carolina is one of the deepest teams in the country right now. But I'll be damned if UConn, I mean, they might be deeper than they were last year. And that's insane to think. Stat of the game, um, you know, you know, where you know, with 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 me being the host here, where it's going, mm. it's rebounding. Um, oh, Carolina. Well, there was, were a couple of options you could have gone with uh, there. When you, when you, Carolina was minus ten on the glass, forty three to thirty three. We talked about it so much going into the game that Carolina was going to have to hold their own, and it was going to be tough because UConn does a really good job limiting rebounding opportunities for the opposition. That was the case last night. Um, and it's 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 hard to beat those those types of teams. A, if you lose the rebounding margin, period. But B, you lose it by double digits. It's not easy to, or it's not hard to see why Carolina came out on the losing end. Now let's get into takeaways, and we got a couple of discussion topics um, that we're gonna have here for you. The first thing mm-hmm. I have written down is the defensive struggles continue. You give up 87 points, 40 or more in both halves. Um, you let UConn shoot 52% from the field. You let them you know, knock in 10 three-pointers. And so part of this is, yeah, Carolina is a flawed defensive team with its starting five. This is, if, if you like watching high-scoring basketball, you're going to enjoy this team because this game, this team is going to play a lot of team, a lot of games in the upper 80s, uh, maybe even the 90s. Like, that's, that's what it's going to be. Moving forward, part of it is you ran into a team that runs NBA sets with NBA talent. Yes. Um, And I don't want to get too inside basketball and start going nerd and start geeking out. Too late. Um, That's the best screening team in the country. And their ability to screen their shooters open is, if you look at it from a basketball perspective— it's beautiful. It's, I mean, Dr. James Naismith is up in heaven just losing his mind because he didn't know that stuff was possible. Shed a tear worthy, dare um, I say. And, and so that was part of it as you ran into a team that runs really good stuff. And they screen really well. They cut really well. They move the ball well, um, as, as is the 25 assist on 34 made baskets. Remind me again where they were in offensive efficiency coming into this Third. game. Third. Okay, yeah, makes sense. On the flip side... Carolina's got to be they've got to be more aggressive from the word go. Um they allowed UConn to get comfortable before they put the press on. You can do that against Florida State. You can do that against a third of the teams you'll see in the ACC. You couldn't do it last night. If you didn't want to press, that's fine. But you were going to have to hold your own in the half in, in in the half court, and make UConn work and earn everything they got, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. And that's a mindset thing. That's that's where Carolina's got to have a mindset coming out. We're going to run you off the three point line. We're going to bump you off your spot when you're trying to get uh, position down in the post. And we're and look, last night was a game where you had to rotate right, you had to communicate right, and look, there were times Carolina did it. There were three times UConn hit a three as the shot clock was expiring. Nothing you can do about that because you played defense hard for thirty seconds. They made a shot, but it was from the word go. I had no problem with Huber Davis pressing. 
and you knew that UConn was going to break in a time or three. It was still effective. Like, after Carolina got down 58-45, to they got back in the game with the pressure. But it was used a little bit too late last night. But also, you got to understand, we're not. this isn't press Virginia. This isn't 40 minutes oh. of hell from Arkansas in the 90s. True. We're not going to pick up and, and, and press for 40 minutes. I mean, frankly, like, look, on, on the surface, you would love to. You would say, okay. Oh, I would absolutely... Yeah, I would lose my but, mind. But I got to be honest. Here's the thing: I don't know if they could if they could do that for an entire season. Like to me, I don't think it's worth full court pressing at this time of the year for entire games if that means that it's going to cost you a March. Because I would venture a guess that from what we saw early in the year, they were not expecting that they would have to use that as much as they are having to use that. Like, let, let's let's call it what it is. The last two games, that's really been the only time they've been effective <laughs> defensively. Like, they have not done much outside of that. Their half-court defense has been rough. So, that's my thing. Are you wanting to run these guys into the ground early in the regular season, I don't think you want to do that. So you got to be strategic about it. But, yes, it's it's really that simple. You have to be better defensively in the half court. Like, there's, there's no way around it. You've got to do a better job of – I mean, last night it was, yeah, closing out on, on those open shots. UConn – this was tweeted out by Adrian Atkinson, who does a tremendous job with – Carolina basketball stats. I mean, he digs in deep. 61% of UConn's field goal attempts were clean looks at the rim uh, or from behind the arc. A season high for a UNC opponent. Uh, he says, luckily the heel for the heels, UConn had a below average of uh, effective field goal percentage of 68%. Problem was they were really effective with the contested shots in the mid-range. 9 of 13. So, that's the thing, man. And I thought I thought where this, where you saw this game start to get separated was when UConn hit four straight threes. That was really where things started to change. And every one of them was an open look. Yep. There was no resistance. There was no one there. It's just you cannot let that happen, especially with a team like this. Because you knew. We said that coming into the game. That was a key to this game, do not let this team get in rhythm from beyond the arc because they have so many shooters, and that is exactly what you ran into in this game. I mean, that's the thing. Even when Carolina was pressing, that was the one area they were still giving things up in was the three was from behind the arc, and it's just you've you've got to find a way to show more resistance there. I mean, I'm at the point where. I'm I'm concerned about the half court defense, but I think at this point the mindset is this is going to be a team that is simply just going to outscore teams. Yep. I I just I don't see this becoming a great defensive team, which is fine, but the thing is is when we say that, that still means you have to come up with key stops. They couldn't do it last night. Yeah, you saw a 1-3-1 zone that that Carolina threw out there. Um, UConn gets an open look from a three, but I like I like the premise of the zone. Um, when the ball got swung to the one side of the court, Carolina, if they trap it and they trap it correctly, he doesn't swing the ball back around for the open three. 
zone's got to be on the option for this team. And, yeah. I, and I hate saying it because I don't believe in it. It's, it's the one thing in the NBA's got right is they've outlawed that style of defense. Um, but they outlawed all defense, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be on the table for, I had to make the joke for this group because teams that play zone are hiding their deficiencies. Carolina has deficiencies. I mean, and Hey, there ain't no problem admitting it. I got plenty of deficiencies and I admit it all the time. So, um, I do think that's something over this 11 day layoff. Hubert Davis needs to examine. Can Can we say this too? Because I saw some people questioning this again last night because they of, of the struggles defensively. Hubert Davis is literally trying everything, guys. He's emptying in the bank. Like what? I, I don't understand what more you you want. Like guys are just not effective defenders. Yeah, no. I mean, look, he's full court pressing. He went through a he threw out a one three one zone. He ran a run and jump out of a timeout. Like he did the things that you want to do to try to throw a game out of rhythm. Um, it didn't happen, and you got to figure out how you can get better. <sighs> now we're gonna have a oh no, what what might be, I don't say a tough conversation. Okay, more honest. A lot of negative pushback. Oh, um, shocking. On the game that Armando Paycott put together last night. Yeah. Um, and look, Mondo put together his 73rd double-double, 13 points, 13 rebounds, handed out five assists too, and his passing I thought was a big part of why Carolina was in the game. But he got the 13 points on 4-12 shooting and 5 of 10 from the line. And I'm not going to, look, I'm not going to hold the free throw shooting against him. He was a big that entered the game shooting 85%, and he was a career 64% free throw shooter. Like, these games are going to, they're going to happen. He's a big man. And he he's not a he's not a natural stretch five big, so shooting free throws isn't going to come easy to him. Donovan Klingon, despite having eight points and four rebounds, was the more effective big last night. Impacted the game more than Armando Baycott did last night. Johnson off the bench, two points, three rebounds, had just as much as the same impact that Baycott had. Armando Baycott struggles or has struggled at times against quality bigs, which is problematic in a sport that the big man is relevant. It's got a presence. Best player in the country is a big. Zach Eady, Hunter Dickinson, big. Kyle Filipowski, big. Donovan Klingon, going to be a lottery pick. He's a big man. Yep. But also, guys, Armando Baycott's been here five years. This is who he is. And who he is has led him to be Carolina's all-time leading rebounder, has led him to be Carolina's all-time leader in double-doubles, and he's 14 away from setting the ACC record. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, he is limited. He isn't a skilled offensive player. He doesn't have a, a great post move. He doesn't have a go-to move. But... And look, Carolina needs more from him. And you would have thought after the putback dunk and gotten the technical foul, we were going to get a vintage Big Mondo game. It didn't happen. But let's not let's not mince words here. You take you take him off this team. Carolina's not competitive. They're not competing the way they have to start the year. 
They're not beating the Arkansas, the Tennessees. They're not competing with the UConn because he, he is a presence. I mean, he did the one thing that I wanted him to do going into the game. You know what he did? He got Donovan Klingon in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. He got Johnson in foul trouble. Yep. He was that aggressive. He was that assertive. Yes, you want to see him finish. Been begging that for years. Yes, you want to see him convert at the foul line. But this is who he is. And who he is is a really, really good college basketball center that is going to struggle against centers that have and, and, and will play in the NBA. Well, I mean, the thing is is that he has before played well against these high-end centers. Like, he did it against Hunter Dickinson. He owned him when they played Michigan a couple of times. Like, he, he, he has had those moments where he's looked really good. Last night, I think that the problem was not the first half. He was great in the first half. That was the type of Armando that you wanted to see. It was what we saw from him in the second half, where he disappeared. People said, well, they stopped feeding him inside. Well, yeah, they stopped feeding him inside because the dude literally cannot finish at times inside. Um, I think the frustration with him is that he is the same player since his junior year. Like, he's the same dude that was out there in 21-22. And to be honest with you, I don't know if he's that dominant. I think he's probably, I mean, he's. I think he's resembling a lot of what he did last year. Um, my my frustration with him is that you watch him when he plays in the Smith Center, completely different player. He, I mean, the 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 way, especially on the offensive end of the floor, he is so much more effective. And you could say, well, you know, did he really face someone that good against Tennessee? Look, Jonas Adu's not a pushover, man. That's that's a guy. That's a solid big man. He's not he's not clinging. Don't don't get it wrong, clinging. Um, but I do think that there is a reason why you can sort of question where where you're at with Armando. Don't get it wrong. You take him off this team, and you don't find a replacement for him. Oh yeah, this team this team is is nowhere. They wouldn't be able to rebound the ball because they don't have anybody else that can rebound at a high level outside of Harrison Ingram. So, I mean, yeah, I get it. I get I get both sides. I get the frustration, but at the same time, I mean, for people to say that the dude is completely useless, that's a little much. But, yeah, you in, in order to win games like this, you need him to get back to being the dude that he was in, in 21-22. Now, I don't know. I saw, and I, I don't. I didn't see this until earlier. I saw someone that wrote an article today that said he mentioned something in the post game about something's up with his knee. Yeah, he he, he did have a, a wrap on his leg that I think got taken off. Oh, jeez! During his first stint, like here's my thing: is he the same player that he's been since 2021, 2022? Yeah. Here's the thing. By the time you're a junior, you're not really growing. What you're wanting to is to get more efficient, get more effective at what you're doing. What, he, he still, has he? Let's he, be let's be real well, with ourselves here. Has he been more efficient? Mainly on the offensive end. Like I think I mean, that's the frustration is that the shots I mean, look, here's the thing. When you've got there. three years of not finishing at the rim, that's probably just a part of the DNA. He's become a better foul shooter. 
Well, like, and that, that yes, you got to give him credit for that. There's important. no doubt. Like you know, because what his his one of his first jobs as a big is to get the other guy in foul trouble. He did that last night. Now, yes, he needs to make the foul shots, but like I, I to me, I just as as a guy that for the last three years, I know that whenever my team walks on the court, that guy's going to be ready to play. I'm not. I'm not here to. I'm not here to bash a guy. That I don't think it. Look, there that, are that's, people that, that's going to be willing to do whatever it takes to help the team win. There, look, there are people that are bashing him, and that's a problem. That it, it, it really is. Like you, this is a dude that has contributed a ton to this team. This is a dude that gives his everything while he's out there on the court. But I do think at the same time that does not mean that we should not be able to point things out in his game that right now are a bit flawed. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I, I, mean, I get my it. Thing is that like we knew the flaws. Like I didn't, I didn't think coming into the season they went away. You're just hoping that they are minimized. They weren't minimized last night. Um, do I think that's the biggest reason why Carolina got beat? No, no. Oh God, no. Like if if he's going to give me 13 and 13 against Donovan Klingon, I I'm not going to be upset with him. I mean, look, he was definitely part of the reason because down the stretch. I mean, they 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 all had trouble finishing at the rim. The team was thirteen to twenty six on layups. Yeah, like you got to be better than that. They had open looks from the outside. You just got to be tough enough to put the shots in. So you know, it's it's just something that look if this if this was a guy that you know hasn't been a big part of the the success we've enjoyed over the last couple of seasons. This the good. This wouldn't have been a guy that said on national TV he'd be willing to die because this how much this university and this program meant to him. Sure, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable saying, or be a little bit more critical of him. I I know who he is. I know his strengths. I know his limitations. And what I encourage everybody to do is to love and appreciate him while he's here, because he's one of the best bigs to ever come through Carolina. And that ain't you. You don't get put in that same category by accident, because we breed bigs. We we we've got a lineage of great bigs. Mm-hmm. And when you when you mention those dudes, his name's gonna be mentioned in the same you know in, in their same breath, because of all what he's done individually. I'm another guy that's individually playing at a high level. The last takeaway before we get to our discussion topic, um, R.J. Davis led the team in scoring 26 points last night. He's the fifth Tar Heel ever to score 26 points or more in four straight games and the first guy to do so um, in 53 years. Can I give you an absolutely insane stat that was tweeted out just a little while ago here while we're recording? This is from OptiStats. R.J. Davis has scored at least 25 points and gone 5-for-5 or better from the free throw line in four straight games. This is tied for the longest streak by a D1 player this century, along with a guy from 2008. Can you name me the player from 2008 that did it? Is he a Tar Heel? He is not. Made a run. I will. This this will be my hint. Made a run at a smaller school to an elite eight. Steph Curry. Yes. It's not bad. It's not bad. So yeah, I mean, Davis sensational. Um, he's emerging as a leader. Vocal last night, emotional last night. The kid loves the big stage. Wanted him to get a win back in his home court or back in his hometown. A um, lot of fun watching him play. 
Now we'll transition into the discussion topic because it wasn't just him who played at a, at a high level on the offensive end. So did Harrison Ingram. 20 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 3 of 4 from behind the arc, 4 boards, 5 rebounds. A complete total effort last night from Ingram. Mm-hmm. If you were watching the halftime show, um, I, I tried to find this audio, but because it came out of a, a former Duke player's mouth, no one, did, no one seemed to grab it. Nice. Jay Williams said at halftime, that Carolina can win a national championship if they realize Ooh. that Harrison Ingram is their best offensive player and he becomes the focal point of the offense. Okay. Um, Ooh, okay. Okay. He's he's not wrong. He's not their best offensive player, though. But he's the guy that, that is needs, RJ. He, that is the guy that needs to initiate the offense because he can do more. For others. First off, as much as any guy on the offensive end of the court, he can get to any spot on the court that he wants to get to and A, create offense for himself and B, create offense for others. You don't take a guy that plays for Danny Hurley into the post, back him down, and score over him if you're not a guy, if you're, if, if you're not him. A dude. You know, and, and Ingram did that three different times last night. Three times he got the ball. Got to wherever he wanted to get to on the floor. And mind you, against bigger guys, yeah. Alex Caravan, bigger dude, and scored over them. Uh, schooled them. Schooled um, them. I, the problem is, is how do you do that with the level that R.J. Davis is playing at right now and as free as R.J. Davis is playing without Caleb Love? Yeah, well, I will tell you this. You said that Harrison Ingram can get to any spot on the floor and make shots. So, so can R.J. Davis at this point. This dude, I, I've said yes it to you. No. I've said it to you multiple times. This dude, I know he's smaller. That's going to be the knock on him. This dude's an NBA player. I mean, you don't hit the shots this kid's hitting, and and you're not an NBA player. Like this dude plays an NBA style game. He can score just about everywhere. He hits big shots all the time. Yeah. Like, he is amazing. And, yeah, I'm telling you, you, you've said it multiple times. And for me, I mean, this dude, this dude is getting right up there with some of these other all-time great players. Like, I freaking love this kid. My God. But now, I love Ingram, too. Because, as you said, I, I and I said it once I saw him in Atlantis, uh, in that game against Arkansas, and then even when it translated over to Tennessee, this dude saw what Villanova did, wrote it down on a notepad, and said to himself, I'm going to work on this. Because since then, I, I mean, maybe if you go back to some of the games earlier in the year, I just didn't notice it as much. But since since that Villanova game, where they did it to him on the defensive end of the floor, he has made that a part of his game. He said, you know what? I can do that to guys too. And I'll be damned if he hasn't done it maybe even a little bit better. Like, this dude is physical. Like, you would not think, looking at him, the way he is built, you would not think to yourself, this is a guy that's going to be able to back people down in the post. You wouldn't think he had the height to do it. But, I mean, he, he he was dominant at times again last night. And, yeah, I mean, he'll have off nights like he did against Florida State. But more often than not, that type of production that you saw last night from him is going to be there night in and night out. And I I think, like I said earlier, 
right now, he's your second best player. It's RJ and it's him. Yep. Those are your two best guys. And I don't know. I th- I thought he had a chance to be really good for Carolina, especially in the role that he was going to be in. I don't know if I saw him being this good this quick. This dude, I mean, he's a first-round NBA draft pick. The way he's playing right now, he can, he can do just about everything. So, he's he to me, it makes a lot of sense. His impact on Carolina offensively is as equal to, if not greater, than what Elliott Cadeau is doing. To, and look, and look, Elliott Cadeau has been everything he was supposed to be. And him and R.J. Davis are a perfect blend. They yes. fit very well together in the backcourt. You're not looking for Elliott Cadeau to provide scoring. His scoring is a, is a plus-plus like Kendall Marshall was for the two years that he ran Carolina's offense. But what what Harrison Ingram can do is create for himself and create for others with his dribble, with his ability to drive, and his ability to pass. Mm-hmm. The oh, is- his ability to pass is crazy. The issue is, is every time I watch Harrison Ingram play, and this is a good thing, is that he leaves me wanting more because he's that gifted. And we said over the summer, if he fits, you're going to see a really good offensive basketball player. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only so many McDonald's All-Americans. He was one of them. In a better system, surrounded by better talent, he could be a great player. He's a great player. He's got to get to a point in his head where the aggression starts from the moment that ball is tipped. Because it took him seven minutes to put the ball in the basket last night. Seven. That can't happen against the Yukons, the Kentuckys, when you're the second-best offensive player on the team. And look, yeah, Carolina needs Cormac Ryan to not go 0 of 6 from 3. They need Armando Baycott to finish in and at the, and at the rim. Yep. But this guy's your number two guy behind R.J. Davis. But... If Carolina's going to get to the level that we picked them to be, which is a Final Four team, those roles switch, and Harrison Ingram becomes your offensive initiator because he can create more for your other guys and make the game easier for the other guys. And I think it's something I'm I'm, I'm fun to watch. I'm excited to watch because if it happens, it really shows you've got you've got a good group. Because it's gonna be him understanding, I need to I need to take another step as a as a as as an offensive player from a leadership standpoint, and R.J. Davis realizing I'm doing some really good things and I'm playing at a really high level, but if I peel back and let this other guy emerge, it's gonna take the team to another level, and I think it's they're capable of doing that because this isn't Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. This isn't a selfish guy with an unselfish guy. Yeah. This is an unselfish guy with an unselfish guy. You need the one unselfish guy to become a little bit more selfish while understanding it's going to make the game easier for his teammates and and, and, and it could take Carolina to a whole different level. And so, um, you know, I thought it was something that when Jay Williams said it, I, I haven't stopped thinking about it since then. I mean, I know we all got our thoughts about Jay Williams being a former Duke guy and everything like that. Um, that guy knows ball better than we do. Um, he he played the game. Yeah, hey, you're know, you're saying this. You think you know ball than better than everybody. I, I mean, look, I I'm gonna put my basketball opinions and my IQ up there with 
as much as anybody in the you know that 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 that's got the same platform as I. Oh, there he is. But when when that dude is saying that, that dude ain't wrong, and so I, I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm disappointed. Just, but yeah, as yeah. as 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 Hubert Davis said last night in the post game, I'm disappointed but not discouraged, and that's where I'm at. Many many times after these types of games, I've come on here and I've yelled and screamed and hoot and hollered because we didn't compete and we got our butts beat. I can handle losing if we compete. And yep, Carolina competed last night. And it just got beat by a better team. I, I mean, here's the other thing, right? I was thinking about this last night. Is it that we we are fresh out of what we've seen here from the last f- three, four years? There's no part of it. Um, like, I mean, I've dude, it just fun. felt good to be be in the game. I've had more fun in these nine games than I've had at any outside of the six week run. Because that six-week run was something that no one saw coming. Yes, and that's you know what that, that, since I've had since twenty nineteen. And let's be let's be real honest, and it'll be the same way when we get into this year's tournament. The tournament is not fun, like it is. Like the the actual tournament outside of your team is the best thing that is around. The actual tournament run for your team is not fun. No, it's excruciating it is, and nauseating. It's oh, it's I mean it's so the, much. The final horn sounds. It's, it's and you got so more much nerves. Than the other. Yeah, it's so many nerves. So like. This is even even when you compare it with that. This is so much different. You feel confident in this team when they go out there. Like I'm going to tell you, if we did this, if we did this podcast last year and they were playing UConn at the same time of the year, we would have came on here and told you. I mean, we probably would have said, "Look, Carolina loses the game by like ten because we would have said, "Oh, you know, they have." They have this. Well, maybe you know Caleb Love is is puts up an inspired performance. It's R.J. Davis in New York. You know, let's be real honest here. They'd have lost by like 30, 35. Like they had, no, they would have had no chance. So it just feels good to watch that. And maybe that's the wrong mindset. Maybe we should be angry. Maybe we should be fired up. But I don't know, man. I just I can't get to that spot. Like these people that are that distraught over this game, I'm I'm just like like I saw. Can I give you a couple of takes that I heard from people today that I think are outlandish? One, um, Caleb Love. This team misses Caleb Love. Wrong. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, he's leading Arizona in scoring. Have you seen how inefficient the guy is? He's shooting 39 percent from the field, 28 percent from three. It's the same dude. And you really think he would be playing even that good if he was still at Carolina? Probably not. The other one that I saw um, that I thought was just completely outlandish is that Hubert Davis needs to receive some blame for going with a shorter rotation last night. First of all, he did not go with a shorter rotation. Not it. Not at all. Um, It was just that the minutes were slimmed back a little bit. I'm going to tell you, this is how rotations in college basketball work, even to a certain extent in the NBA. When you get into important games, your rotation gets crunched down a little bit. The guys that you trust the most are going to play the most. This was a game where you needed certain guys to play a ton. Does it mean that Carolina's rotation is disappearing and they're going to start cutting it down and we'll be to, we'll be to six or seven? Within a when they get to conference play, no, it does not mean that. 
that is that might be that might be the worst take I saw. That might be even worse than Caleb Love. Like, come on, man, really? Well, I mean, look, after big games that turn into big losses, fans are going to be over. They're 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 going to overreact and they're going to say some things they don't believe in. I'll end this podcast the same way I ended the the, the press conference one I did the other night. If oh, thanks you, for including me. If you're not already on on board, get on board. This team is good. They're coached well. They care. This might not be a national championship team, but this is a vintage, old-school, fun Carolina basketball team that's going to be fun to watch over the next four months. That's all I got to say. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit our website, that's HeelToughBlog.com, where you can go and read about the game. I got a, a pretty in-depth article um, about the loss to UConn. Carolina's got 11 days off. Time for me to get some opinion articles up on the site, so be on the lookout for that. Of course, we got you covered with all the transfer portal news coming out of college football um, as Carolina is losing guys left and right, but also getting active in the portal uh, in their own way. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. Or there we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. I mentioned that 11-day layoff. We're not going away. Time for interviews. First up, Nada Edwards, the producer of the Eye on the College Basketball Podcast that CBS Sports does. That's the best national college basketball podcast out there. You don't want to miss this one, guys. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss that interview and all the more that I'll do before we get you ready for the Kentucky game next week. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!